0: Welcome everyone to the Crane and Africa China podcast. Do the break, do the break. Today we'll be joined by Ting's Chuck who is the co-founder of Dongsheng, which is a collective of international researchers that is one of the uh, producers and founders of this podcast and where I work some days of the week. She's also the Director of the Arts Department of Tricontinental Institute for Social Research. She is a researcher, an artist, uh, a, a public intellectual, as many of you may or may not have already seen her face, speaking on the subject of China and its developments in the last, not only in the last decade, but uh, in its, since its founding, since you also enjoy the history of its development. Welcome, Tings.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And so today we want to talk to her about this new journal. And before we do, maybe we, I wanna play the promo clip of Wen Hua Zhonghang. Here we go.
1: Excellent.
0: Wenhua. Wen Wen
1: Wen so what is Wenhua Zhonghang? Hmm. It's a brand new quarterly journal on Chinese thought that brings together the contemporary debates in China in dialogue with thinkers of the global South. It's available in English, Spanish, and Portuguese, and it's a new collaboration between Tricontinental Institute for Social Research, Dongsheng News, and Wanhua Zhonghang, the Chinese version. Please check it out on our website at thetricontinental.org or at Dongshengnews.org and tell us what you think.
0: So as you heard, Wenhua Zhongheng, maybe those of you who are listening can try to say it yourselves, is a quarterly journal of Chinese thought. And things. you've been part of the international launch of this journal, which was previously only in Mandarin. So maybe you can tell us about uh, this project and how we got involved in this.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's a really exciting project, um, a joint project between TriContinental, uh Dongsheng, as well as the, the magazine from China called Wenhua Zhongheng. Which is a bi-monthly journal um, on you know contemporary political and cultural thought in China, and it was founded in, in two thousand and eight. And you know, wind back fifteen years ago was a pretty complex moment in the country and in China. Um, it had already gone through you know three decades of the opening up and reform. Um, there was sort of. You know, this economic opening was also an ideological opening, right? And so Wenhua Zhonghang was created as a space to debate ideas, especially from the, let's call it the broad left camp, um, and became an important reference here in China, dealing with topics ranging from, you know, how to come to terms with China's uh, civilizational history, and then also the development of socialism, uh, the kind of um, uh, ongoing innovations around sources constructions and how China sees itself and its, its role in the world. And in our first issue that we launched three months ago, one of the articles was written by the editor. His name is Yang Ping. Um, and so we've now had this opportunity. We're about to launch our second issue, which we can talk more about. Uh, and It's an exciting moment because I think there's a real need uh, in the world amongst the left, amongst the global South for more information about China and as it relates to the global South.
0: I mean, this is an incredible opportunity, must be a lot of work. Uh, I imagine, you know, translating or interpretation is always a challenge to get the most uh, accurate uh, translation. And so uh, how's the reception been? What, what, What do you think the kind of impact of something like this is?
1: I mean, I think it still remains to be seen. We have our first issue out and we published it in English, Portuguese and Spanish, understanding that we don't want to only speak, you know, to the Anglophone world. Um, We've had some great, um, I think, um, reception so far. We did um, uh, some events in in Brazil um, with some of the scholars there. So this has been an opening to be able to dialogue with some scholars, activists and thinkers of the left in in different regions, um, and and I think it's interesting you brought up the question of translation. I think for those of us and Mika you uh, who work um, and and sort of live between cultures and between kind of um, sometimes we joke about in tricontinental right about between different epistemologies. It's translation. It's much more than just uh, a literal uh, translation, you know of. From uh, you know comparing apples it's really different you're actually con- uh, translating a whole world view and bringing new concepts and that's actually one of the reasons we even kept this name that we know everyone uh, has a hard time pronouncing but because when we initially thought that you know why should we translate it into an English name or try to approximate you know to what we think it would mean when it really carries within a whole you know Uh, tradition and understanding and it's also inserting that maybe other frameworks, not saying the Chinese or the Chinese language or one of the Chinese languages needs to be dominant, but um, it's almost a bit of a, let's say, a provocation or an invitation for us to kind of enter um, new worldviews. So we're hoping, I mean, even through a podcast like this or, you know, for your listeners who want to check it out, it's online for free, both at the Dongshan website and at the Tri-Continental website to read it and let us know because we're making it Uh, really available for for people who are interested in
0: in China and, and China and the Global South. So with respect to this latest issue, or the first issue, the inaugural issue, which concepts or ideas do you think are relevant to the Global South and Global South audiences? What we can learn, what might be um, most engaging in relation to our reality and why do you think that is? Because, uh, for example, I think one of the essays, I think it was the first one from Yang Ping um, speaking about the Ukraine crisis and building a new international order. Of course, as many of you who listen to our podcast and those who are following geopolitical shifts have seen, um, there is a strong... Maybe it's too strong to say strong, but in our our last conversation we had with David Monyai, who's a um, an expert on international relations from South Africa, uh, he spoke about how there is a kind of shift in the mood. and that he he mentioned Gramsci um this quote about the interregnum of the old is dying, but the not you the new is not yet born. And one of the things that Yang Ping speaks about is that the, he, he believes he and his argument is that a new order is is coming into being. And so what do you think are that was one of the concepts, basically, that I thought was interesting and that it's not only in the global south that we're seeing it, that China sees itself as being part of this birthing process of a new international order. So just what are, what do you think are some of the concepts or debates from that first issue that really, you know, make sense and can speak to a global south audience?
1: Yeah, um, I think before maybe diving into some concrete uh, concepts, uh, I'm glad you, you brought up Yamping, you know, because that's sort of where we got the idea of, of um, naming our first issue, which is on the threshold of a new international order, exactly that idea of we are not quite there yet, but we are definitely seeing uh, what we've been, you know, President Xi has called it, you know, uh, changes unseen in a century. And that was definitely a theme in that first issue. I think given that sort of geopolitical and historic moment we're living one of the things is I think in lots of places of the global south um and amongst the left you know there's a lot of lack of perspective on on these concepts or debates that are happening in china um, a lot of times i think there's a sort of repetition or 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 a belief in the lines that come from you know dc or london or the former colonial cap uh, capitals and so as a result you know even these kinds of concepts, debates and ways of understanding uh, kind of get lost. So really, I think this question is key to why we wanna make this um, journal um, or or magazine, a quarterly magazine available because it's to dialogue with how people from the rest of Latin America, Asia and Africa um, are are also seeing their own realities. Um, That being said, um, I think one of the um, key ideas, you know, not a small topic, is is how does China understand its history around empire and imperialism? You know, I think this is one of the biggest questions of our time. Um, And in one of the um, uh, articles by Professor Yao, he, he talks about the five centuries of global transformations, and he says a Chinese perspective. And he actually looks back 500 years to help us understand this present moment. But in specifically, it's to look at the question of empire or imperialism and whether that's applicable to China today. He doesn't answer that question, but at least it looks into the history of why China's rise um, in the last few decades uh, is in a very different path historically than what we see of, say, the U.S. or the rest of the West um, that's defined by 500 years of colonialism and genocide and slavery and territorial invasion. And having that historic understanding helps us see China's rise in a, a different way. And I think one another um, uh, uh, link to that is the last article by Professor Cheng, where he's talking about understanding China's economic rise as part of the Asia's economic rise, which is a part of the global south economic rise. So we can't see China as distinct, um, obviously, as a as a motive force right now and a global economy, but is not something apart from um, and he brings in, you know, talking about questions I think that are really relevant, especially to your listeners, you know, around what does the BRI mean? What are platforms like FOCAC or the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which is more in the Central and West uh, Asian region? Or BRICS, you know, South Africa is about to host the next summit uh, very, very soon. And all these kinds of political and economic platforms that are being created to be able to sort of uplift another possibilities, new possible world order that we are seeing sort of being birthed in this moment. So I would say uh, those are a couple of things that strike me. Another one I really like from that same article was around uh, bringing back Mao's idea of encircling the cities from the countryside, which is very much one of the guerrilla, you know, fighting tactics of the People's Army, People's Liberation Army. And he's comparing that now as this in this new rise of the global south into ending what we would call uh, the old center-periphery model. Uh, and, and bringing in sort of the countryside, which is the global south that is surrounding the countryside, the, the cities, which is the global north, the historical colonial capital. So I think um, these are quite interesting and probably quite aligned with a lot of the ways of thinking that is coming from different African countries that are clearly standing up or different countries in Latin America that are seeing this progressive tide and very exciting developments across, I think,
0: the global south. Totally agree. And I mean, I think That was also really striking because, you know, part of Samira Amin's great late Samira Amin's argument about, you know, the center and the periphery and how we're made to feel like the global South is the periphery, like an appendix to the global North, when in fact the periphery and also what Walter Rodney, the great Guyanese thinker spoke about is that the reason why the so-called first world is so developed is because of the so-called third world and the peripheral world, who actually are the engines that drive, uh, have driven the rise of those different economies. Mm -hmm. Um, No, this is really exciting. And I mean, part of the work that we do at Dongsheng is like, how do we engage largely Chinese language-based debates and having this access is an incredible opportunity. Um, So what can we expect in the next issue, I guess?
1: So the next issue is just about to come out. Um, and depending on when the this podcast comes out, it'll have either just come out or was about to come out. Um, but I have a printout. Um, I was just reviewing all of it today because it's almost ready to go. And the next issue, we're tit- it's titled China's Path from Extreme Poverty to Socialist Modernization. Um, and so we have three articles and an editorial that our collective wrote um, and really focusing on, on just that, those questions of poverty and that you know, very contentious questions of modernization, you know, what is modernization and what in particular is socialist modernization Uh, and how is that different from a a Western model of colonization or a capitalist model of uh, modernization, sorry, not colonization, but I think that was a good Freudian slip because Western modernization has been largely based on colonization. Um, And one of the things... um, that this, this issue is really going into a scene that, you know, um, that many of your listeners might have heard about or at least know a little bit about the you know, China's eradication of extreme poverty over the last decade, and of course, part of a long process of eradicating extreme poverty. But we're putting that into the historical process of creating socialism, you know, that the story of industrialization, of development uh, is completely inseparable with the building of socialism. And because a lot of people will look at the reforms that came out of the Deng Xiaoping period and saying, "Okay, that was the end of the socialist project. That's proof that China went down the capitalist path. And any gains that have been made uh, economically or 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 even you know for the people would be because it took a capitalist path." And in this, uh, we have you know two authors are focusing specifically on the poverty question, really defending uh, uh, um, a perspective. Uh, those differing perspectives, but a, a perspective that this was part of a long, uh, let's say, century of, of fighting for socialism in this country. And and um, even with the kinds of ups and downs and, and mistakes and changes of building socialism. And that's the third article, which is what's called Socialism 3.0. Um, and uh, and a, an attempt to sort of periodize the different eras of socialism uh, that have changed and they haven't been one thing since 1949. So overall, I think really relevant questions uh, for the Global South, which really, as countries are still grappling with the questions of development, industrialization, and finding you know a path to modernization that fits their own contexts, uh, that also is, is looking at uh, defending national sovereignty and human dignity along the way.
0: I think that's an extremely, and um, looking forward to reading this next issue, um, particularly when you think about the fact that when China uh, won their revolution in 1949, they were amongst the ten poorest countries in the world. And I think it's like seven or eight countries were poorer that were African countries. Um, and then to think about the if you compare our continent um, to China in terms of population and size and etc., um, how is it possible with this mass of people to build a totally different future from? the one that uh, we were quote-unquote destined to based on um, the trajectories of imperialism and colonialism. So I, th- I think uh, hopefully our, our folks in the global South really engage this next issue and, and come up with some fruitful discussions. I don't know if I asked this before, but what does Wen Hua Hang mean? It's kind of hard to translate. Maybe that's why we actually gave up on
1: translating it. It means something like literally the verticals and horizons and then is the dung Hang, but it kind of looks, you know, it's a kind of a mix thing. It's looking at something with many different views, perspective, perhaps. Well, hua is generally culture, but hua well, could culture in a broad sense. It's not just, uh, it, it's in a broad understanding. It could be about, you know, sort of civilization to, you know, what we understand as like the productions of culture. So in that sense, it's supposed to be a broad set of debates and angles um but as you see that doesn't sound very catchy at all
0: (laughs) well i think uh whzh is also catching on uh, (laughs) on the side so and again this is how we engage is by having asking these questions and having to explain ourselves and knowing that even our explanations don't necessarily come as close to the meaning itself thank you thank you things i guess what else are you working on just so we can plug in the kind of work that you're involved in right now and where folks can see what you're doing and follow you?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think um, I'm sure your your listeners already follow our, our general uh, Dongsheng projects. Um, now, in addition to our weekly newsletter, of course, we have this new monthly explainers that we're trying to kind of dig deeper into some of these concepts that, really we don't get to the time when we're just following the news cycle or sort of political analysis. You know, we've had interesting ones to explain, you know, Confucius concepts like tian xia, which is a 2000 year old concept about all under heaven and how that applies to governance for 2000 years until today. Or, you know, we're looking at uh, trying to understand um, the next issue is around, you know, why is it that China as part of the global South didn't develop the mass you know, slums and informal settlements that are, you know, so much a part of the realities in so many countries and cities. And so we're I think we're having fun with that. Um and people can always follow me on Twitter if they'd like. You can just search my name Tings check and you'll find me. And yes, please let us know how you, what you think um about the issue and anything that we're doing and we'd always love to hear from you. Know,
0: so much for taking the time to join and I do hope folks will check out, follow things on Twitter she's always engaged in a lot of different and interesting things as I mentioned she's also a cultural worker I think is the term we use nowadays so she also (laughs) has some beautiful um, imagery and visuals that accompany a lot of her work Uh, so I think on that note please remember to check out dongshangnews.org you can follow us on all social media pages by follow by searching Dongsheng News. And this issue, hopefully this uh, podcast will come out just before Wenhua Zongheng's second issue comes out. So we can also be able to get the promo before we actually read the text. But thank you so much for joining us, Tings. And until next time, you've been listening to The Crane, an Africa China podcast. We are on all podcast platforms please subscribe please follow us please share your thoughts on the various platforms so we can improve and take in your feedback